Good morning. <laughs> I've entitled this morning's message, Yahweh Shama, the Lord is there. I've subtitled it, Never Once Will We Ever Walk Alone. I asked Sarah if she would do that song this morning, Never Once Have We Ever Walked Alone, because it is a reality that we need to remind ourselves of. I didn't ask Sarah to do all of the songs that she picked out, but all of the songs the Holy Spirit told her to do. Because <laughs> Sarah spends a lot of time praying over our worship. It is meant to minister to you where you're at. And if you let the words of the songs, even if you're not a singer or maybe you're not a real demonstrative worshiper, that is okay. Let the words of the songs sink into your heart because they speak the truth of who you are and who he is in your life. Worship is something that happens in your heart. That's where it all begins. When I was preparing for this message, it kind of plays off of the previous messages that I've been ministering about God's name. And the thing about God's names, they're all revelation of who he is and how he wants us to see him. As I was looking for what he wanted to minister this week, I came across the name Yahweh Shammah. I've never actually heard anyone minister on it. It's only used once in the Old Testament. And it literally means the Lord is there. Yahweh is there. One of the things that came to mind while I was seeking to hear the Lord on this, the Lord reminded me of a conversation that I had with Pastor Steve and Heather about a week ago. We were at lunch and we were talking about Jesus. (laughs) That's what we love to do. We love to talk about Jesus. They actually said the Lord was there. They had recounted the graces that they've seen in their life since coming into the message of grace, the graces that God had waiting for them to pick up, <laughs> that everything that he had provided for them, that step by step, little direction by little direction, by his grace, he has led them. And he has blessed them with the things that they know they could not get any other way but by grace. The truth is, we don't get anything by self-effort. it is all by grace amen amen but one of the things that they kept saying was hindsight is 2020 you look back and you go there he was oh and and i saw him right there too and and you just see what he did and you just find yourself in awe of his hand in your life of his presence in your life And as Heather in particular began to say, I know, I know that what I have is by grace. I know it. I praise him for it. And that is the evidence that you have received grace when you cannot do anything else but praise him. That is the evidence that you see grace because it is praise that is your response. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you were there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is the evidence of grace in our life. So this name of God, Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there, is so important for us to recognize that the Lord is truly always there and he's always about giving us grace this name of god yahweh shaman it only occurs once in the old testament it's in ezekiel 48 35 and this is god speaking god himself is saying this and it says this the circumference of the city shall be eighteen thousand cubits and the name of the city from that time on shall be yahweh shaman the lord is there In the Hebrew, it says the name of the city is Yahweh Shammah, which translates, the Lord is there. Yahweh is there. 
What I want us to look at this morning is why this name is so important to the Lord and to Israel, and how we can better understand the importance of this name in our own lives. The Lord gave this place, this city, his own name. It was a really big deal. It was a big deal to the people he wrote to, the Israelites who were in captivity. And in order for us to understand why it was such a big deal, we have to know what led up to this. Because this is the last verse of the book of Ezekiel. It's kind of like if I said, to get to the other side. Now that makes no sense unless you know the joke. Why did the chicken cross the road? (laughs) The same thing is true with scripture. A lot of times we want to take something out and go, I think it means this. When actually you can't understand the scripture unless you know the big picture. So I'm going to give you some big picture. What we're going to look at in regards to the Israelites, what was their biggest problem? What was God's heart and desire regarding them? What is God's remedy for them? And how can we embrace this truth ourselves, that the Lord is there? First of all, the author of this book is Ezekiel. He is a prophet. God calls him a watchman. And his name means strengthened by God, or God strengthens. He was a contemporary of Jeremiah. And like Jeremiah, he was commissioned to preach bad news. (laughs) But also like Jeremiah, he was also able to preach hope. Now, their problem is they didn't understand the God of Israel. They didn't understand who he really was and what he wanted for them. As much as God had dealt with them through the whole Old Testament, the Israelites still were not getting it. They still didn't understand. They were still running after false gods, trying to get from false gods what God said he would give them. We would never do that, right? (laughs) But that's what they were always doing. They were always trying to get from false gods and entities what God promised he would give them if they stayed in the terms of the covenant. And what the covenant did for them was it was an umbrella of protection. He says, all of mankind has fallen under the curse, but I will give you an umbrella from the curse, and you can live in the blessing if you stay in covenant. Stay inside the lines. They never did. (laughs) They never did. And so they were always getting into trouble. They were completely rebellious and unrepentant, and the judgment that they were about to endure was what they had brought on themselves. It was part of their covenant. Whenever we look at the Old Testament, we always have to stop and say, not my covenant. (laughs) Okay? We're looking there, but we're only looking there for Jesus, okay? We're looking there for the truth of who God is and what he's done through Jesus Christ. So yes, we're going to look in the Old Testament, not our covenant. Ours is much better. We always have to remember that. Their covenant was based on their obedience. Our covenant is based on Jesus' obedience, and his was perfect, and that's enough for us. Amen? So their protection from the curse and participation in the blessing came specifically from staying within the terms of their covenant, which they never did. In Romans chapter 10, verse 21 says this, But as for Israel, he says, all day long, all day long, (laughs) I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. What is he saying? When? When are you going to come? When are you going to get this? Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to the umbrella of protection. What's wrong with you? (laughs) You can hear it in Jesus' tone of voice in Matthew 23, 37, where he cries out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. 
and you were not willing. You can hear the heartbreak. God's heart is, let me love you. Let me take care of you. Let me meet your every need. Let me be everything that you need. Come to me. I am everything your heart seeks for. But they would not. They had gotten to the point where the Israelites themselves involved in sacrificing their own children to false gods in the hopes of obtaining blessing from these false gods. They were superstitious. They believed in charms and spells, thinking that they can control their own circumstances and live however they want by the use of demonic activity. They thought because they did these things in secret, Yahweh, the Lord God, could not see them. In fact, in one of the visions that God gives Ezekiel, it's in chapter 8, he shows them what's going on in the temple by the leaders, by the priesthood, that they are inside rooms bowing down and worshiping to images on walls in the hopes of getting what God said he would give them if they would simply stay inside the covenant. I think God's heart was broken. He wanted more than anything else to love them. The Israelites also trusted in the presence of their temple to protect them like a good luck charm. See, they didn't trust in the God whose presence was in the temple. They trusted in the fact that the temple was still standing as evidence that they were just fine. God must not see. God's not slapping my hand. God's not spanking me and sending me to my room. God must be just fine, or he must not see. They obviously did not know the God that they said they served. You see, the temple had been around for about 410 years. Now, when something's around that long, you think, it'll always be there. It was there for grandpa and great-grandpa. Hey, as long as the presence of God is in the temple and the temple stands, we're all good. That was what they thought. They were trusting in a place and not in a person. In chapter 10 of Ezekiel, God gives Ezekiel another vision, and he shows Ezekiel God's presence leaving the temple. God doesn't just go, okay, I've had enough, I'm out of here. That's not what happens. What happens in the vision is he sees the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, and he sees the presence of God slowly back out to the threshold of the temple, and he waits. And then he goes out of the temple over to a mountainside, and he waits. And then little by little, he gets farther and farther away. The whole time, he is waiting for his people to cry out to him. He's already sent Ezekiel to say, hey, it's not going to get any better. You're in captivity. (laughs) But you can still come back to me. Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel were all in Babylon, but the, the temple in Jerusalem had not been yet destroyed. So the only ones that were actually a little bit faithful was the tribe of Judah, from whence would come the Christ. The other ten tribes, Judah also contains Benjamin. The other ten tribes had been scattered and obliterated by the Assyrians. The ten tribes were not faithful to God in any way, shape, or form. And so God let them have what they wanted. You want what those gods can provide? That's what you got. And they got what they wanted. False gods. Destruction. But those in captivity... He was always about telling them, you can turn this around. You're here. You're in captivity. You're in your little time out. (laughs) You're not leaving captivity, but you can be blessed where you're at. Just return to me. We see that God really was holding out his hands all day long to stubborn and stiff-necked people who continually refused his grace. Even the old covenant was still a covenant of grace because they couldn't earn God's presence. They believed as long as this temple stood, so did they. 
even though they were constantly going outside their protective umbrella, they refused to trust in the person and the presence of the Almighty God. But what they found out is that God's prophets were correct, and those who listened to God's prophets went into captivity willingly. That was part of the prophecy. Go into captivity willingly. Do not stand and fight. The false prophets told them, fight your enemy. Stand and fight. And God said, you're going to lose if you stand. (laughs) You're going to fight. You're going to lose. You need to go where I tell you to go and do what I tell you to do. He was basically putting them into protective custody. And here we begin to really see even more of what God's heart and desire for them is because that's exactly what it was. It was protective custody. If Christ could not come through the tribe of Judah, there would be no salvation for mankind, not just for the Jews, but for all mankind. It was so important for them that they turned back to the one true and living God. But he had good news. Ezekiel also got to tell them the good news. This is temporary. (laughs) I know 70 years sounds like a long time, but it's temporary. When I was looking at this, I was reminded of my granddaughter, Mila. She is a beautiful little girl. The strongest willed little girl I think I've ever met. (laughs) And I was babysitting her recently. And she had done something unkind to a sibling. And it's like, okay, time out. Time to go stand in the corner. And I said, you can come out when you're ready to be kind and sweet. So she stood there. About two minutes went by. I said, are you ready to be kind and sweet? No. (laughs) Okay, stay there. (laughs) That's how the Israelites were. Even when they're in their protective custody, they're like, no, this is not what we want. I want my way. God says, no, you're going to bend. You're going to stay there a really long time. (laughs) But discipline is a blessing. And this is really what it was. This protective custody was so that they really would fulfill the promises and destinies that God had for them, that he would bring them out of Babylon 70 years later. So while they're there, the Lord uses Ezekiel to speak to Judah about their hope. You see, without a temple, without a priesthood, without their homeland, the land of promise, they think all is lost. I don't have any of the things I thought I should have. Now I'm in this faraway place and everything is strange. So the Lord shows Ezekiel what they're thinking. In Ezekiel 37 and 11, the Lord says to Ezekiel, Son of man, These bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Cut off from God's presence, cut off from their land, cut off from their temple, cut off. And they were right to an extent. In this particular chapter, the Valley of Dry Bones, God tells them to do something. He says, see the dry bones? This is the reality of what Israel is right now. They are a bunch of dead bones. They are dry, and there's no life in them. But you can prophesy to them. You can prophesy. And prophesy simply means to speak by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You can prophesy life back into them. Just like Pastor Steve was saying, you prophesy your future. You prophesy your destiny. You get to decide what happens in your life. Because God has already done everything he's going to do. He's already provided everything we need. It's us aligning with him. That's exactly what we see Ezekiel doing. Going, okay, this is what God says. I'm going to say what God says in this situation. The Lord's desire is always to speak hope to us and lead us into faith. So he sent Ezekiel to prophesy to them the good things 
that God had planned for them. In Ezekiel, starting with verse 34, I'm gonna read you quite a bit of scripture. Fasten your seatbelt, I'll try to make it painless. <laughs> it's beginning in verse 11. Thus says the Lord God. His name here, when you say Lord God, is Adonai Yahweh. When you see God in all caps, that's his personal name, Yahweh. God is what he is. So why the translators do this, I don't know. <laughs> that means ruler Yahweh. That's exactly what it means. For thus says the ruler Yahweh, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places that they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land, and there they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. You hear the prosperity? This is God's heart. This is God's desire for his people, regardless of what covenant you're looking at. This is what God desires for us. He says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them, make them lie down. <laughs> sheep must lie down. That is the place he wants us to be. What is that? That is the rest that he wants us to be in and live in. I will seek the lost. I love that. Who do you know that's lost? God says, I'm seeking them. I am pursuing them. I'm going after them. Know that I'm on your side, <laughs> and I will bring back the strayed. Know any prodigals? I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. He is not upset with chubby sheep. That's not what that means. <laughs> he is talking here about the leaders of Israel who were feeding themselves instead of the sheep. They were taking care of only themselves, but you don't get that unless you read the whole thing. He says to them, I will feed them justice. Our God is a God of justice. If you have been done wrong, you can expect your father to stand up for you and bring justice into your situations. Further down in verse 22, it says this, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I love that. <laughs> you know what a prey is? It's a victim. God says you will no longer be a victim of what? Of anything. We are not victims. We're not at the mercy of the enemy. We step on his head and neck. We have to know where we are and whose we are. They will no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. Here we have the prophetic picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great shepherd who feeds us, who looks after us, who takes his crook and his weapons and he gets those uh, wolves that come after us. He doesn't stand by and do nothing. He is a good shepherd. And it says, I, the Lord, Yahweh, I, Yahweh, will be their God. And my servant David, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be prince among them. I am Yahweh and I have spoken. 
I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish the wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Now, me personally, I'm not into camping. (laughs) I don't want to sleep out there. (laughs) But if you do, you can be secure that God will protect you. (laughs) Because that's really what it means. Wherever you go, his protection goes with you. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I will make them a blessing. And everywhere they go, I'll make that a blessing too. And I will send down the showers in their season. Guess what season it is? It's blessing season. (laughs) It's blessing season. Why? Because we're in the covenant of blessing. We're no longer under the curse. We need to remember when stuff comes into our life, you don't belong here. You're leaving. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am Yahweh, when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. Prophetically speaking, he is talking about what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Satan wants us always to believe that we're a victim and we're a prisoner. And the truth is we are free. We have been made free by the Lord Jesus Christ, and no bars can hold us. And they shall no more be a prey to the nations. I like that. We're not a victim to the nations far away who are threatening us. We need to stand up and take our authority and say, we're not having that here. We are not the victim. We take authority. Nor shall the beasts of the land devour them, and they shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. Nothing and no one should make us afraid. Why? Because we have the presence of God with us. When we are aware of his presence, there is no fear. Verse 29 says, and I will provide for them renowned plantations. I said, oh yes, Jesus, (laughs) renowned plantations. (laughs) I'm putting that on my Christmas list. (laughs) What is that? That is a business of renown. That is something that brings in enough money that you have more than enough. Renowned plantations. So that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know I am Yahweh their God with them. And that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord. For you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares Adonai Yahweh, ruler and Yahweh. He's the one that makes the rules. He's the one that's in charge. But all of this blessing comes from one thing. I am with them. When God removed his presence from the temple, that's when the enemy could come in. Our covenant is so much better because his presence never leaves this temple. Amen? This is God's heart and God's desire for his people to be with us, to be there for us, to be there in us, to be there around us, to be there above us, to be there below us, to be there in front of us, to be there behind us. He is there. That is his name. The Lord is there. Because this is and always has been God's heart to bring forth his special and manifest presence through the power of this Holy Spirit, he had to bring a remedy. There was only one way for him to be able to have his heart's desire to always be there inside of us, to always be there for us. And that was to do away with the sin issue and make us partakers of an unbreakable covenant between God the Father and God the Son. I think God had enough of the old covenant. 
He wanted his people. And of course, he did this by wrapping himself in human flesh and becoming a man and living a perfect life of obedience and then giving his life for us and as us on the cross. Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. I think maybe Mary, the mother of Jesus, may have whispered, Yahweh Shammah, as she wrapped her newborn in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger to know there, there is Yahweh, Almighty God wrapped in flesh, Yahweh Shammah. What an awesome revelation. I think maybe Jesus may have whispered, Yahweh Shammah when his mother came to the temple to scold him for being left behind. <laughs> but mom, Yahweh Shammah! <laughs> Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. I'm about my father's business. And yes, I think the father, I know the father, looks at Jesus and says, Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. You are me and I am you. You can't separate the two. But you know what? We get to whisper. Yahweh Shammah. When we read about him pouring out his heart to the Father on the night before he was crucified. Yahweh Shammah. Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there in the garden. And we can whisper Yahweh Shammah when we read about him taking the lashes at the whipping post. The God of the universe, wrapped in flesh, taking my punishment. Yahweh Shammah. And we can whisper, Yahweh Shammah, when we see and read that they put a crown of thorns on his head instead of a crown of gold. We can cry out, Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. Yahweh is there. And we can whisper when we read about him hanging on the cross and taking the penalty for our sins and the sins of all mankind. And we can look there and say, Yahweh Shammah. The Lord God Almighty is there. He's there. He's there for you, and he's there for me, and he's there for the whole world, the sins of the whole world. Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But let me tell you something. He never did. The Father said, Yahweh Shammah. Yahweh Shammah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is there. Even at the cross, even at the cross, he was there in his fullness. Christ was never forsaken. I know it makes for a good song. (laughs) He was forsaken. But the truth is, the Father never left him. He was there. He is and was Yahweh Shammah. John chapter 10, verse 30 says, I and my Father are one. You cannot take one out of the other. John 16.32, Jesus says to his disciples, You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, completely present. And you say, well, what about what he cried then? Wasn't he saying God forsook him? Some scholars say, well, he just felt like God forsook him. Nonsense. Nonsense, I tell you. 
He was quoting Psalms 22. Even from the cross, he was still trying to reach those who were around. He still wanted his people. It was just like in the temple, backing away, little by little, little, I have to leave. Look, you've got to come to me. He was still reaching out his hands all day long, literally, all day long. What he wanted them to do was to read their songbook. You see, in Psalms 22, it depicts the suffering Messiah. Every Jewish scholar says that is a messianic psalm. It talks about his hands and feet being pierced. It talks about his clothes being gambled for. He wanted them to Yahweh Shammah. Go there and see. The Lord is there. Because if you go there and you see, you see Yahweh Shammah is there, you'll have to look at the cross and say, Yahweh Shammah! Yahweh Shammah! How could I miss it? There he is! I don't understand, but there he is, Yahweh Shammah. God's heart and desire is that all should come to repentance, both Jew and Gentile. The Father God never left his son alone, and he will never leave us alone either. Psalms 139, verse 7 through 10 says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? As if I would want to. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, praise God, you are there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. You know what this says? It says no matter how far away you think you have gotten, no matter how far you think someone who knew the Christ has gone away, he says even there, even there you can say Yahweh Shammah, Yahweh Shammah, Yahweh Shammah. My Jesus is there. Your right hand will hold me, even there. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what forsake means? Utterly abandon, desert, leave, forget, cast off. He says, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you've done. I will never leave you. Never. You can't make me. <laughs> we will never walk alone. The Lord Jesus Christ did all of this so that he can look at us and say, Yahweh Shammah. That was his heart's desire, that we become the temple of the living God, that he would look at each one, Yahweh Shammah, Yahweh Shammah, Yahweh Shammah, Yahweh Shammah. Because that's what happens when believers get together and they start talking about Jesus. I see Jesus. Well, there he is. I, I see Jesus. I see the glory. I see the gifts. I see his presence. I see Jesus. Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. Now you may be thinking, what about this um, city <laughs> that we started out with? He says the city is called Yahweh Shammah. In Revelation 21, verse 2, it says this. And I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Down further in verse 9, it says this, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. 
The new Jerusalem is both a place and a people. Just like if I said, Kenosha is getting saved, you'd say, well, it's a city, it's not a people. It's both. We are the new Jerusalem. When the Lord said to Ezekiel, the name of that city is called Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. He was talking about the church of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, it says this, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple. We are the temple. We are the temple. We are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. The kingdom of God comes down in us and out through us. That's why God looks at us and says, Yahweh Shammah. He's like, if you got a picture, if you could look in the mirror and see the truth, you would look in that mirror and say, Yahweh Shammah! Yahweh Shammah! The Lord Jesus Christ is in there. He's in there. He's really in there. And his kingdom is in there. And his power is in there. And his love is in there. And his provision is in there. He himself is in there. So what should our response to this name, Yahweh Shammah? What should it be? First of all, we should remember, like Stephen Heather were doing, they were looking back and they were remember, the Lord is there, and the Lord is there, and the Lord is there. Well, what does that do? It makes you grateful. It makes you see the truth of who you are and where you are and what he has done, and it reminds you that you can trust him in the future the way you have seen him take care of you in the past. He has never left you for one second. You will never walk alone. And then we should do exactly what the prophet Ezekiel did. We should prophesy. We should prophesy to those body parts. Yahweh Shammah! Yahweh Shammah! <laughs> While I was preparing this message, I got a text message from a friend. Her husband was in the ER. I was like, ha ha! Yahweh <laughs> The Lord is there! And where the Lord is, there is healing. Where the Lord is, there is peace. Where the Lord is, there is life. If we get the revelation that he's in us, he's in whatever we need him to be in. He's in our finances. He's in our marriages. He's in our schools. He's in. We declare and release him when we prophesy. We have to refuse to let the devil and our flesh to tell us that we are alone, that we are abandoned, that we are without help or without blessing. Because the Father says of us, Yahweh Shammah. Amen. Father God, we thank you that you are exactly who you say you are. You are always with us. You're there inside. You're there with us in every situation. You go before us. You stand behind us. You surround us with your presence. And where your presence is, there is liberty. There is freedom. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer victims. We are no longer what the world says we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Father God, I ask that you would encourage your people to remember who they are. That whenever something comes to them, that immediately they say, Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. No fear. I don't have to take care of this on my own. That is your great desire, that we would never walk in fear, but always with the reality in our understanding that you are with us in every situation and you are at work for us you are the great shepherd who takes care of us father god we thank you for your presence and your truth and i ask father god that you make this truth alive in the hearts of your children and i ask these things in jesus name amen